Hello and welcome to the Weekend Update. It's Friday the 10th of March 2023 and although it's a sunny day in Cambus Lang, there is snow and disruption all over the country. Hope you're not too disrupted um, because it's a bit of a pain. Um, I'm joined today by Ayrshire's own Christian yes. Wolf. Hello Christian. It's mine. I own Ayrshire. Uh, oh, South Park anyway. I'm well, Christopher. How are you? I did have a little bit of snow on the pitch, which is my garden, uh, but it has melted now. Cause, so it's actually, I'm actually too warm in my quite large sweater. It's it's a gorgeous sweater. You look terrific. Um, it's disrupt- I, I take it you're not too disrupted down there. It's just a bit li- light dusting. That's it. On the coast, you know, there's not much snow on the beach. Uh, here, but it was, it was nice and cold in the morning, which I like. That's my kind of weather. Uh, but yeah, not distru- too disrupted. Good. Glad to hear it. Uh, how are you? How is things overall? How's the family? Everything good? Yeah, good, man. We're, we've been busy. Got a couple of birthdays coming up. Um, going after this, I'm going to go out and book the bowling for uh, Max's birthday. So, so that'll be good. Maybe some laser tag. Um, so yeah, what's going on? And then obviously, um, another big birthday coming up soon in the house as well. I've got some plans, some travel plans. So yeah, be good. All, all systems go, my friend. Are you good at bowling? Are you is bowling popular in in Norway? Uh, bowling has not yet come to Norway. That is not <laughs> something. Yeah. Um, am I good in bowling? Um, I know. I, I I'll say an average. Average. I I, I overthink it. Ah. I, I get like one strike and I was like, oh no, how do I replicate this? Yeah. Um, but I mean, it is a kid's birthday party. Will I take some of maybe Henry's turn? Because it's got maybe. Well, we'll see. Just, so. just use that to practice. Very good. Right. I've uh, never done laser tag before, though, so I might join that as well. You've never done laser Jesus, Christian. You've, you've missed out on a bloody, a, a youthful kind of experience there. Laser tag is class, to be fair. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that big in Norway, um, but I've always wanted to do. It. I mean, I, I I have done. I have been in the army, so you know, I've you know, we, we, we did had kind of like a laser tag there, but just in the forest. <laughs> just, so yeah. yeah, a little a little different in tone, yeah. uh, but no, that'll be good fun. Um, yeah, good. Enjoy. Uh, okay, Thanks. we have an opening question um, from Scott, and it's. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, Okay, so Scott's opening question. How does Kobayashi work his way into the team? CCV and Starfield are continuing their exceptionally defensive run, barely conceding a goal, never mind losing games. So it is all important that he isn't getting... So, is it at all that important that he isn't getting game time? I don't see him starting a game until the league is wrapped up, but looking ahead to next season in Europe, should we be trying to integrate a left left-footed ball-playing centre-half into the first team already. Now, this is an interesting one because I've been thinking about this. Um, every kind of, you know, Ange Postacoglu is someone who will put a player in if he, if he, if he thinks he's ready. Um, we've seen that with uh, plenty of kind of examples over the time. Uh, Awata is starting, starting to get a lot more game time, which is good to see. O's coming on, getting some game time. Obviously, they're two very different positions because Ange has also made it clear that central defence—I was going to say defensive—but as we saw, on, as we saw on Saturday, he's very quick to change up uh, fullbacks. But defensively, from a centre back perspective, he's—he's he's not. Is this a case of why split up a, a winning kind of formula, or maybe Kobayashi's not up to speed yet? Or what's your kind of thoughts on it? Because it doesn't seem like he's going to get a, t- a start anytime soon. Yeah, I still think there's a question of what is Ange's centre-back type because you know, the, the players he's brought in, okay, Starfield was he's probably didn't have that much to do with, with Starfield, but he's, you know, he's, he's played him. CCB was always a late one, but he, he renews, you know, he's happy to get CCB permanently. And, and none of them, for all the strings, is, you know, there's skill is on the ball, but then I, I guess Kobayashi is, is kind of, you know, I don't know what happened with Jensen this summer, but I think Kobayashi is his first proper centre back purchase from a market he's obviously comfortable in, and he is that kind of ball playing centre back. So I think, I think the game against Hearts, well, like 
is a perfect example of the issues we're having two centre-backs that, to me, do not even average when it comes to technique and confidence and passing the ball in kind of tight spaces and under pressure. So they are both excellent defenders. You know, CCB, very, very good in the duels. Starfield is very good in them as well. Starfield is also really good at kind of that covering job, sweeping up. So if you, you know, for example, Greg Taylor goes up a lot, I think Taylor's got the confidence that if a ball comes over, you know, Starfield will come in and it'll sweep up. So, and the defensive record speak for itself. I think the defensive record also have a lot to do with how good Celtic are in attack and how dominant they are. So I think, looking towards next season, I think a lot of fans would just want to see CCB and Starfield in Europe in the Champions League because they have played together in there. I think with the way Ange plays, I think you will run into a lot of the same issues that you did against Hearts, but against better team in the Champions League. So I, I, I think we'll get onto this. For me, that game on Wednesday, Chris, is I just felt that was a very similar game that we've had in Europe. Where if the opponent was named Budaglimt or Leipzig, we'd lose 3 1 instead of winning 3 1. And we sit here and say, why haven't we moved forward? We, we haven't moved forward, have we? So, so the could be actually question for me is then, I hope he can be that centre back. I think he needs a run before we know if he is, maybe before Ange properly knows, maybe before he's convinced he can be that. I just worry that we'll keep running into the same issues in Europe with this backline, like inability to break down good pressing teams. That sit a bit lower, and the inability to cope with high aggressive press. That not just. I, I think if you have Starfield and CCB in Champions League this season, probably do, do a little bit better uh, there. But uh, it's that kind of thing where you go, ah, it's fine. Let's keep that. But I do worry we sit there in the Champions League group stages next season and go, ah, it's the same kind of issues, isn't it? So, well, I mean, uh, I'll I, 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 be really interested to see. I, I would like to see Kubayashi really pushing for a starting place in, in the summer and the first few games because I think it is something the team needs. Um, we need to remember... To, to this, take that step. Yeah. yeah, we need to remember Starfield didn't play a lot of the Champions League though. Like to give him a little bit... I, I, know, I know you're Stan. I know that. No, no, but so, like... You know, all, all we can keep him. We can keep him and play Kobayashi. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think... I genuinely think that come the summer and I don't want to go too far ahead and I don't want to be too sort of pessimistic but you know, Ange has and will continue to push the idea that we've got a transfer strategy that means that players yeah. will come and go. Um, I don't think both of them will be there next season. So I think yeah. I think the question is almost kind of moot because it's. I think it's more about like Kobayashi. I think I think if Kobayashi was ready, he would be playing. I I really do because I think that's how Ange works. And maybe Kobayashi, maybe 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 we've brought him in, not paid a big fee. Maybe maybe he's just not the player that they were maybe expecting maybe you know there's other kind of obstacles and that's absolutely fine but what i would say is i th- i think one of starfield or ccb might move on then what what's key is the signing after that i yeah. think personally christopher that's a very good point um i th- so it is really interesting that both of them have had the fabrizio romano tweet yeah <laughs> right and I think that tweet comes from a lot of, you know, from what you kind of hear, allegedly. A lot of people will use Fabrizio, sounds like he's my mate, uh, Fab, um, to get the word out, you know, to, to create some attention. So where that come from? I don't think it comes from Celtic. Uh, I think it's stuff like that are likely to come from agents. It doesn't have to be specifically start for CCV's agents, but that's the way the game works. And Romano is such a high profile. He's the guy. So if you want some news out there about that player, you know, that's it's an easy thing to do. So I think that is interesting. Um and what I guess what we've seen with you know especially Gigi, we might be having this discussion with Abada as well, that you have players that is you know very highly effective, done a good job. Where you kind of go see if they went that gives you an opportunity to improve like don't as you say it maybe it becomes a natural thing that's maybe that might be the best way best thing for everybody you know one of them gets what they see as a really good move and Celtic gets hopefully a lot of cash and you go 
okay, here's our chance to kind of take that that next step, really, in, in terms of improving the squad, squad in terms of, uh, can we get someone who fits like the system even better? Yeah, I mean, um, we're going to talk about the, um, you know, potential kind of um, rejigging of the, the Scottish Conference, I think, they'll try to call it, but we'll talk about that in a moment or two. But I, I just look at someone like Kobayashi and I think um, he needs to be playing. Yes. And he needs to be playing somewhere. And not against the University of Stirling. Absolutely not against the University yeah. of Stirling. I, I just... I, like my I, ex-club. I, I just think that, you know, centre-halves are... It's a really, really tough position in that if a manager's happy with them and they're playing better, is that position on the pitch you're just not going to split up if it's doing well? Um, yeah. and, and because we are doing so well at this point in regards to, you know, obviously there's kind of flaws and stuff, but, but it's the same probably no, in the pitch. But. It's, I, I wouldn't really... I wouldn't even really push for Kobayashi to come in now when you know CCV and Starfall the whole team knows them they know what they can do they know what they you know they can't do as as well so I wouldn't really split them up right now I think it's more a decision towards the summer if you can get Kobayashi some game time be it well hopefully not an entry or a suspension or something like that great I'll think it's definitely will do well but I, I wouldn't break them up now either to be honest with you um, just out of curiosity if uh, basically you had the option of shipping one of Carter Vickers or Starfield out because it was they wanted to leave and it was just the sort of time, if you had to choose between one of them, who would you choose? Can I then take into the context of how much money I think you get for them? Is that is it always just like system wise? It's just system wise <laughs> money. Yeah, because you're going to get more money for Carter Vickers, I think. So. Um, <sighs> But if you had to choose to keep one and choose to kind of what, let one go, what would it, who would it be? Can I be really on brand and, and keep Starfield? Is, is is that okay? I, I just think I think he's, he's I just think it's a slightly better fit. I think CCV is exceptional. He is not being passionate. He's truly exceptional at certain things. CCV, and you can absolutely see how why so many people absolutely love him. Back to the wall defender, like he's he's aggressive. He's, he's good. I, it's simply, I, t- I don't think Starfield is is far off him in those quality, and I think he is. I think he's better on the ball, and I think he's. You know, uh, I also think you get more money for CCV. So yeah, if you put him on the spot, and I, I have seen Starfield with Kobayashi as well, and Starfield, I think they worked really well together. I, I think he kind of came a bit more out of his shell, Starfield, and that, that as well. So um, yeah, I'm going to be on brand and say Starfield. Final question on this before we move on to some news. Do you ever think you'll go to your back three? Yeah. I think not in terms of specifically play a back three, but I, I do wonder if there's elements of kind of the system that can be tweaked so that a bit more in possession is a back three. So you, you, can, you can put Johnson in a bit there and then you do something a bit not radically different with the midfield, but you know, oh, I should be thinking a bit like that. All the rage now is like, you know, the box midfields. And the way Arsenal specifically do this is that they start with a back four, but Chichenko kind of comes in and becomes a double pivot with tail uh, with McGregor. And then you have kind of like in a way what Celtic do now when Taylor comes in with McGregor, but maybe even a more specialized version of that even even more so you see maybe someone like greg taylor coming in and maybe being a left back out of position but purely almost a, a central midfielder within it i guess that's the thing is like part of why the inverted fullbacks are good is because there is rotation it's not because greg taylor is um in the middle of the time it's because he comes in and out of the position that kind of moves the, the position fullback out but I don't know. I, I can't really see him doing like a straight three-five-two or something. Um, but I mean, be interesting to see. Absolutely, yeah, um, very much so. Uh, but you know, according to some reports, he won't even be here because mm. I, I've just brought this up just because uh, we're just touching up. We've we've talked about it enough about essentially there's a five-man shortlist for Spurs to replace Conte, um, who's not been sacked or anything yet so but weird um but he'll turn it down if there's any mid-season exit um we don't want to go over too much ground but i mean 
we've talked about the, the right project for Postacolo if he if and when he does move away from Celtic. It's not Spurs. It's it, it just mental. See, like you're a shy bag when it comes to like Celtic loose. Of right? course, of course. I'm I'm usually a bit more confident on that. I'm a shite bag about Ange leaving. I honestly am. And so common sense says that Spurs won't go for a Celtic manager that has A, never coached in England, let alone coached in a top five league. I just, I really don't like this link. And it's probably more me thing because I think Ange, he would suit Spurs really well. And B, I, I think Ash would go in the summer if he's offered a job. And I, d- I don't think there's many jobs he would go. If he's I think he would go to Spurs. So the sooner they sack Conte and get somebody else in, perfect. Because when it comes to Ange leaving, I was like, oh, every link, I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Uh, trying to make reasons for why he would go. But Spurs is it's, it's a bit more worrying. Um, the only other thing that would really worry me is if like the Serbia gets picked up in the summer and somebody and Brighton, Brighton. comes in for Ange. But yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's not talk about that. Let's, let's not bring the vibes down. But just just on kind of the, the idea. Actually, no. Let's just not bring the vibes down. Uh, <laughs> he'll be here for a hundred years, um, which actually will be disastrous for the club because you know he'll be a hundred and fifty. I mean, if, if, imagine his cough. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Why did we be playing in a hundred years? Uh, yeah. So we've got plans for a new ten-team Scottish conference. Got some details here. Um, a new fifth tier between League yes. Two and the Highland and Lowland Leagues has been put forward. Controversial plans have been unveiled for a new fifth tier Scottish conference, which would feature Premiership B teams against some from the Highland and Lowland Leagues. It's claimed the Premiership clubs might be prepared to pay for the league with entry fees. The new fifth tier would sit between League Two and the Highland and Lowland Leagues. League would see four Premiership B teams join three from each of the Highland and Lowland Leagues from season 24-25 but could be fast-tracked. Um, clubs have been given to the end of next week to respond to three proposals. Here are the three proposals. One is whether the B team will be allowed to gain promotion or allowed to get to League One but not beyond. Another idea is an expansion of League Two from 10 to 16 including B teams and some from the Lowland Highland League. There is also an option to introduce the 10-team league without promotion. It is also proposed that premiership clubs could pay for the league through fees, setting up as a separate company, meaning they don't need 75% across the SPFL. Um, it's going to be discussed on Monday. Uh, that's three interesting league uh, ideas. The idea that they can get promoted all the way up to League One. Um, well, well, what's your thoughts on this? Is this is this just a dead in the water? Are they try to kind of gussy up a dead idea? Yeah, I mean, one of the first kind of projects... I did for the Cynic way back was about changing the league structure. I hadn't thought about this all. It's like, kid you not, it was 2015 Jesus. that we, we put out that proposal. And the thing is, like, change to the Scottish league structure is, like, so badly needed. Yeah. But the SFA are so bad at this. Yeah. I mean, I, I we don't need more smaller tiers. Like, we don't. You need less tiers with more teams. So after those proposals, I think the, the kind of bottom one of 16 is, is, is better if that, if for Celtic, if the B teams can go up to League One, yeah, that's, that's obviously better. But why don't you just first two tiers with 14 teams, you can still have a split and 28 teams, you like fully professional and then just do regional splits underneath that where you can add B teams. It just seems so simple. I, I don't know why they need five tiers. Like, to, like well, I think we had see the forty fourth ranked team in England. They're one division, they're one promotion uh, away from the top league. If you're the forty fourth ranked team in Scotland, you're in tier five. <laughs> it's it's mad. Like so, I, it's changes like as I said needed. I just think this is like. Like that conference with six speed teams, and then I mean, what is? I'm all for like screwing over parts of Scottish football. Uh, if if it helps Celtic, I don't think this helps anything. No, it, 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 they're still playing against the same level of opposition, and they just you can, if you're gonna have, also just have a reserve league. Then uh, honestly, like if if you're just gonna play against what four other 
Highland and Lowland teams. It's, 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 it's stupid. I, if it's a way to get up to League One, yeah, that's that's better. Oh, just come on, man. I mean, talking about creating separate companies so it doesn't come under the SPFL banner, so they don't need seventy five percent of support. What? Like, what? What's the point? Like, you do need to get most of Scottish, Scottish football on board with this. I, I think that's just, you know, we joke about, you know, just care about what's good for Celtic. But I do think if you had a proper restructure for Scottish football, that there's a way you can get this to suit for everybody. I think if you had, say, 28 teams in the top two tiers and then with enough money, you'll be, get, you'll be able to get your B team into them, like a third tier. And I think you can add lots of, if you do it regionally, you can add more teams. You can you can create kind of a bit more excitement around it. And I, and I think so. It's just, it's just it's kind of like oh, we do need some change in the SFA. Go away about this. You go no, yeah. not that. Not that. It's just no. So yeah, um, we'll definitely come back to this because I think there's a kind of a couple of podcasts and looking at how we can restructure. Because yeah, I mean, it's almost like the kind of everything they do with these ideas. It's like the idea light as opposed to fully going deep diving into here's what the issues are here's how we can fix it it's like you know putting a band-aid over a knife wound do you know what yeah, i mean it's just not gonna work silly. um I, I just wanted to bring up a final bit of uh, news before we move on to the hearts game uh paul parker believes scott mctominay needs to leave old trafford he doesn't think he's good enough for celtic but he's good enough for Rangers. Um, fair enough. I, I bloody love Scott Parker, to be fair. I think it be, could be a possibility for him to go to Rangers. He is not good enough to play for Celtic. There is no way he would be able to play regularly for Celtic in the way that they play. He'll have a better chance of playing if he moves to Rangers. Uh, on yourself, Scott. Paul Parker. Legend. Um, it's funny, though, a guy like um, Scott McTominay, just not good enough for Celtic. I mean, he's a Man United player. I know he doesn't play as much, but... They're kind of talking about him like he's completely guff. He's not complete guff. He's a good footballer, but it's good that our standards are a little bit higher now. Yeah. It's, it's weird because I've obviously seen him play, but it's just such a non-entity to me. Entity to me. If you ask me how good he is, I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, he's there. As you say, he's, he's at Manchester United, so he's always a certain quality, having played so many matches. Um, so he's 27 this year. He'll be on... It's probably on a hundred grand a week, yeah. At United, but I, I think overall, he's probably a good player if you don't give him the ball that much, right? So I, I think in that way, I don't see him as a useful tool for Celtic. Like I think you you probably need like a mid-table team or something like that in the Premier League if it's you can do your running out of a possession and, and so on. So he, he uh, you know, yeah, he's your classic player who plays for a team like Manchester United, gets picked every single time for Scotland, and he's just guff. Like, you're in possession, consistently giving the ball away, consistently caught out of position. He's actually better as part of the centre-backs than he is in midfield. Yeah, I think at United you have runners around you and you don't have to do anything with the ball. I I think, and I guess in, in, in Scotland where you don't have that same quality around you, and it's maybe more up to him to create himself. You know, he's, he's just not capable of doing that in, in that kind of team, I think. so. Absolutely. Anyway, I just thought that was quite an interesting quote from Paul Parker. Um, we played Hearts on Wednesday, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about. We play Hearts on uh, tomorrow at midday in the Scottish Cup. I didn't realise the last time we played Hearts in the Scottish Cup uh, was the, the final. The final. Oof. Three each final. Um, interesting. Um, talk me through Wednesday. Talk me through how your your thoughts on Wednesday. We can talk about how what Hearts will maybe do differently, and we can talk a little bit about you know how they might uh, kind of change things. But what did you make of the game on Wednesday? Yeah, as I said, I this team Celtic team is is so weird in a lot of way because like in in a good way, um, they're on the course. I think to break the all-time league record in points and goals, and at the same time you go, ah, that's a bit of vintage thing, and I, and I think a lot to do with that. I mean, we talk a lot about this on the review as well. Is that and I think it links into the defensive record as well. Like I think teams in Scotland are getting 
better at setting up against Celtic. But they're having to sacrifice so much of their offensive output to do it that you know it's usually very non-threatening in, in front of goal. And because of Ansh's like complete drilling of this system and, and the players' belief in the system over over 18 months now, they always find a way because they're so relentless. So even though you have teams kind of giving up pretty much any thought of attacking. And some teams do, like St. Mirren we talked about. I think St. Johnson does it well. Kilmarnock have a game that have done it well. Hearts here, I think, one of the better ones again. They do really quite clever tactical stuff against Celtic, but it's still not enough. So I think this game kind of falls into that kind of rank of the games this season. Whereas you feel it's, in a way, maybe there's issues there, but you're not really afraid for the result. But as I said, my worry is more that you come up against these teams now and you find a way, but if they're called Bulldoglimt, if they're called Leipzig, if they're called Leipzig, you will struggle. So I, I think that's my main kind of worry or takeaway for that. So, I mean, true to form, Christopher, I've, I've, I've given some images. I don't know if you want to dive straight into them. Yeah. yeah or, like, what, 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 what about your opinion? Well, um, well I was just, I was just going to say like, you know, that kind of idea of you know problem solving on the pitch and yeah you know the the teams kind of figuring things out a little bit more i, I just I, I the thing i always worry about is you know change because I, i'm i'm very old school and i like a little bit of consistency in my lineup specifically mm, yes. my uh you know defensive kind of setup and you know we we saw i just think changing both fullbacks is a lot riskier now obviously Ange works with these guys and he sees them in training every day and all that stuff and that's fine but as a supporter when I when I see both fullbacks changing it's just alarm bells are ring a little bit and and I just that fear of here's my other fear that Rio Hatati is so invaluably important that when you take him out we're a little bit one-dimensional specifically in midfield that's probably too much of me being a, a Rio Hatati stan like we all are, but he adds an edge, and I'm not sure that that edge can be uh, taken out of the team as, as often as we'd maybe think. I think it's a simple fact that I think Rio Hatati is Celtic's best player, right? Yeah. And he has been all season, so if you take him out, yeah, you're going to have a drop-off. If you combine that with the fullbacks, yes. And I, So, I mean, I've sent like a few images that we can share, and it's about hard student stuff over that, but as you say, it is in the context of changing both your fullbacks and taking out Rio Hatati specifically. Um, I'm not going to do the whole fullback thing, you know, um, because I was bloody raging on Wednesday in, in terms of that. I mean, I think none of the fullbacks had, had a great game at all. I think there were they, they are bad in different ways for me, though. Bernabe and, and Ralston, whereas I, I think Bernabe, first of all, he is, I mean, you can, the, the funny thing with him is like, you can tell he's a naturally gifted technical player and he, he, he possesses like really good speed and he is, he is, he's, he's a really good ball carrier in a way, but he misses, I mean, overall, I, Bernabe misses 20 out of 95 passes. Ralston misses 16 out of 108. But see where Bernabe, he misses on the more kind of difficult, ambitious forward passes. You know, he, he tries to get into tight spaces, small area to aim in. Some of his decision-making to try those passes is, is, is that. Tony Ralston, he, I know he's been out for a while on, on Wednesday. He just misses on the most basic passes but at the same time he's also very unambitious in his passing most of the time so I think a lot of the play broke down with them but in different ways right Yeah. and once you get you know both of them really into space they can I think they're especially Ralston is so drilled in the system he can see that pass you know especially that pass in between the wing back and the centre back to Abada <sighs> she does Diogo uh, for the first goal Second pass to Abada, where it actually doesn't end up scoring. You know, it's, it's just a classic 
Ange ball pass, and it's it's a very good pass. But put him in a tight space, put him further back. But I I I I think they were both so bad. So I think part of what happens on Wednesday is yes, if if you have Greg Taylor and I think Alistair Johnson in, in there as well, and Rio Tate, it becomes a more difficult job for us. Uh, absolutely. But even with that, <coughs> if it so with that, and then you know. Hard setup really cost, really, really cost Celtic issues. Out of in possession, but also, also out of possession uh, to a large degree. They were very, very aggressive. Yeah. So, so again, like they, they had a slightly similar formation to what a lot of teams we see. So it's like five, three, two. And what What are the things we see in, in terms of what other teams try to do against Celtic is? how the man mark Callum McGregor and different teams try to do this in different ways. So um, I, I think you're sending out the images. So image one and two is just a, a representation of how Hodge did this. So they had Alan Forrest and kind of behind Ginelli. Uh, um, so he would occasionally stay on McGregor. If he, but as you said, they, they were quite aggressive at time. So, especially when Hart passed high up, Forrest would jump on one of the centre backs, usually Starfield. And then it was, I'm going to call it Geo. Hey, Geo, Geo. Um, and the deep pivot for Hart's, he would jump up and, and cover McGregor. But, uh, so, so they were very aggressive in that. And they did the high press really well where they have the two strikers on, on the centre-backs and they had kind of the deep pivot. Okay. But, but the big feature with Hearts, Chris, and, and a lot of what other teams do as well is they have their number eights. So, you know, the either side of the beat, deep pivot. Those Hearts players focus on Celtic's full-backs. And it's the wide centre-backs. So they have three centre-backs and the wide ones each side. They jump on Celtic's Number eight, so Moy and O'Reilly in this case, if Celtics number eight goes behind the midfield line. I, I, I think that is such like, maybe a counterintuitive thing. Your midfield tree, so the opponent's yeah. midfield tree, especially like the two number eights in that, they don't really care about Celtics number eights unless the Celtics number eights are in front of them. If the Celtics number eight goes behind them, they just let them go, which lets them then concentrate on the Celtic fullbacks and they can kind of nullify them. So you go, okay, who's picking up, you know, the Celtics number eight? And what makes all that possible to make that kind of set up effective is how high a line Arch is willing to press. And it, it is, it, it, I've got to get into hipster terms here, Chris. Of course. What, of we, course. Saw, what we saw on, on Wednesday was, I want to talk to Leslie, it was the mid-block no, so there's so much. This is all the rage uh, among the tactics. It's actually so much the rage now. It's becoming a bit too mainstream for, for some <laughs> of them. But uh, mid block is, is is very simplified. It, it's, it's what it sounds like. It's a lot about stopping the opponent in the middle third of the pitch. So not a high aggressive press, but it's not falling all the way back into your own half. So, so examples of this images four, five, and six. Um, and this is kind of different representation of that. And what you essentially see in all of them. It's hearts. So I've kind of draw a line for these, especially in image four between yeah. this hearts back three, and you can see they are very much focused on Celtic's fullbacks or Alan Forrester's or McGregor in these cases. So in that sense, they're the pivot to spare. But look at how little space in all these examples there is between hearts midfield line and the hearts defensive line. And that lets them then just jump up and cover Matt O'Reilly and Aaron Moy if they go by, behind the Hodge's midfield tree. There's so little space between them. Like, image six is, is quite ridiculous. With Starfield's got the ball almost at the center circle, but Hodge's defensive line is, I mean, just 20 yards in into their own half. Yeah. And But but it does, Christopher, it's, it's like, you see how little space there is between the lines. So, uh, you know, the Let's the harsh midfield tree concentrate on the fullbacks, Celtic fullbacks, and they can just leave the Celtic number eights behind them because there's so little space that 
two of the three centre-backs would jump up. So Howard did this really well. So there was a long phases of play where Celtic, they just couldn't get a ball in. You know, they just couldn't put get around. So I, I, I thought that was really good by Hart, but it's also, yeah, a fact of then having the back line you did and uh, not having Rio Hatati there um, and Greg Taylor there to kind of move that block around. But yeah, Hart did that really effectively. I set, four or five minutes of play where Celtic just tried to get around this, but they just couldn't get into Hart's half properly because they're pushed up so high and there was so little space. How do they, like, um, so in this situation, obviously they go on to lose 3-1. How yeah. do they How do they keep, is, is it just too much to keep that going through the whole game? I, I think that's essentially it. Now, so obviously what this creates as well, if, if you're good at this, it creates chances for you to score as well. And I think that's where better teams take advantage. Obviously, we'll get back, horses do take a little bit of advantage. The, the other risk in this is obviously if you move your backline that far up, one of the main risks is balls in behind. Mm-hmm. So I think image seven is the one long ball from Starfield where Maeda gets in behind it. It's flagged for offside, but that is, it's, you know, it's, it's not far off. And also see Celtic's first goal, which we have, it's image eight. Uh, Hearts has been fairly high up in this instance, but so Ralston has got the ball a bit behind the strikers, but he's still in front of the front tree. So Hart is roughly in the shape they want. But as soon as you make a mistake in this block against Celtic, they'll punish it. And the mistake is here, if you look at image eight, yeah. is the centre-back Rals. He's started jumping up on Moy, even though Moy is pretty much in line with the Hart's midfield tree already. So he's essentially jumping up from his spot in the back line too early. Maybe yeah. he's thinking that maybe the, the, the space between the midfield line and the back line is maybe too big too big at this point. As soon as he jumps up, Kyogo's run is magnificent because he runs away from his centre-back and he runs behind Rouse. So Ralston can just play a straight ball straight into the space where Rouse jumped up. And he jumped. So if you jump up a bit too early, if it's a bit too much space, boom. So they punish it. And that's that's why there's that's why they keep winning. And that's why they're so relentless, because they're so drilled against that one mistake and they punish you. So I mean, but hard to be fair, like they kept this up and it kept frustrating Celtic, you know, so it didn't create much at the start of the second half. But again, like the second goal, um, which is images nine and ten. The mistake more is say, oh, is it it's great defensive work by Jota because he kind of Gets steals the ball and his right wing back Atkinson is kind of out of position. But if you look at image nine, you see Grant, who's the left center midfielder. He's just taking a chance and he's way, way too high. Let's look at the midfield tree in image nine, the hearts. And what it does, he should really be covering Moy, but he's taking a chance. Jotto wins the ball. It does really well. Plays it into space to Moy. And if you put Iron Moy in those spaces, with that image 10 is just focusing not on Kyogo's life quite ridiculous run really if you give those runs in front of Aaron Moy and Aaron Moy to space he's going to find a like perfectly weighted pass which is stars and Moy and Kyoko's run and finishes just so Hodge does so well two small mistakes and boom you two one down and, and that's it see if we had um look I'm not going to kid on I do because I, I really don't rate Robbie Nielsen um, as a manager, um, which is maybe harsh, people will say, but I, I just don't. Yeah, it's, it's fine by me. Um, see if see if we had if we, we talk about you know you you guys mentioned it on the review about Wilder the other week and stuff and about Aberdeen trying to maybe find someone a little bit more progressive, an Ange type, if you will. See if you had someone coming in who just was a bit better tactically, a bit more, had a little bit more nice about them. Some a squad like Hearts, do you think they would get more out of them? in regards to not necessarily beating Celtic or winning the league or anything, but just because whenever, whenever I watch Hearts, they just seem a bit flat. Even though they win games, they don't seem very interesting. Yeah, no. I mean, we'll have a look at some of the stats later on because, boy, they're, they're interesting. Um, you can go off, well, Robin Nielsen is, is getting third place finishes. And it's like, well, that's... What he should be doing? As far, he is probably one of the better managers in the league, right? But I don't think it's 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 a tough competition. No. You, he had this McGuinness a lot. I said, like, "Oh God, Aberdeen to second and third. And I was like, "He has the second best team in the league." And Hearts got probably got like player wise, like the third or fourth best team in the league. And so, 
So during like table position wise, hearts and I guess in a way hips as well. So doing what they should be doing. But you look at the gap of the Rangers. Like that's it's, it's like twenty five points or something at this point. And it's like Silly. That, you should be getting closer. And uh, yeah, uh, and he'll. It's that kind of thing. I'm sure Hodge fans will go. Well, I got Robin Nielsen takes us to third. That's great, but it's kind of go. I think a lot of that is just because you have better players, and it's not really much, you know, of like it's not ambitious, is it? No. And it's it's not structured around and things because I think some of the recruitment is interesting and, and things like that. Hip students and stuff like that, but. Should they be closer to Rangers? Especially Rangers? Yeah, I think they should. Like, if, if it's working properly, it, it should. Now it's working okay and it's working that you're achieving what you should be achieving, but nothing else, is it? Um, see, in regard to what they're going to do differently on Saturday, I mean, yeah. you would imagine that, you would imagine that they would come out all guns blazing and really presses really high not give us any time on the ball, be really aggressive, all of that sort of stuff. Is that going to not suit us? Because, you know, as we've said, it, it can sometimes cause us more problems than we realise. But um, is it better that than them sitting off and us having to break them down? There is more opportunities if they press higher. I, I think the high aggressive press was, the, it was good because it was, you know, the they got Alan Forrest and Janelli, you know, on the centre backs. Then they put Gio on, on on McGregor, and then they have their um, like their number eights on Celtics fullbacks. And I said they they pushed the team off with it, so it's quite an effective strategy. I think it, they did quite well. But there's opportunities in there, right? If if they push pushed it like the backline almost into Celtics half with Taylor in there, Tati in there. Like Celtics should be able to play out against them. It's, it's, I think it's just it gives you more opportunities. You need to keep your head cool. And I know it's Tyne Castle and everybody's like foaming at the mouth and, and stuff like that. But keep your head cool in those situations and you'll have a lot of opportunities. The other thing I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to do because let, let, let me let me pull up a stat here. Right. Um, I thought Hearts played out from the back. So, just uh, like they had eight goal kicks in this game, and five of them were short, which is something we don't often see. Um, like comparison, Rangers in, in the semi final had eleven goal kicks and had six short, uh, you know, goal kicks. So, as a percentage, they were taking more shorter goal kicks than the Rangers, and whereas Rangers did that. To, give the goals and then goes and boot it up a lot of it like they tried to play out yeah and so i kind of looked at like the average formation line they had in for the first 60 minutes hearts were their actions on the ball or competing for the ball were on average higher up the pitch than celtic which is you think about it, it's quite astounding right that but that because they were pressing high up and they had that mid-block, so Celtic couldn't really get into their final third on the ball so much. So it, it changes completely in the last 30 minutes. Like they, they fall way down and Celtic gets control again. But it's, it's kind of the same thing that happened a little bit against San Marin. So, so they were very aggressive. So I do wonder if... um, like So Celtic had to do 14 high presses, it's, it's called to instead. And only against Rangers at home and Aberdeen, the first home game, the Celtic had to press... They did press as much as high up on the pitch. And the slightly worrying thing, more worrying for me when it comes to European games is that Celtic out of possession. So I've put another few screenshots, this image 11, 12, and 13 is, we talked a lot about, I probably remember this, so we, we did the whole like Champions League beyond the scoreboard, you, me and Alan, and a lot of what I wanted to talk about there was, bless you, and was, Celtics out of possession. You know, how were they pressing high? You know, they're pressing in that kind of 4 4 2. They hardly have to do that at all Amazing. domestically. Even against Rangers now, Rangers just go long so much. But Hearts tried to play it out. And I, I thought Celtic looked a bit rusty. Like, so 
the first goal is, is the first goal is an example of this where um essentially you know image 11 and you know specifically where first of all the hearts pivot geo is kind of left all alone between Celtics to the forward line of the two, Kyogen O'Reilly and the midfield four. And I think the spacing of the midfield four is kind of, it's clustered around the ball, but there's no pressure on the ball. So what I should say happens is that the ball is popped um, to Forrest between the Celtic defensive line and midfield line. I don't know if the defensive line needs to be higher again, which is something you saw in the Champions League. And then obviously I think it's image 11. It's just Ralston's decision-making in that phase, in that phase, where you shouldn't really jump up on, and you like how they go. Yeah, that image twelve, but image thirteen is like image thirteen is actually a really good build-up play by Hearts. But again, you kind of get a feeling that Celtics midfield line is not positioned quite correctly. There's a lot over on the right hand side. You know, a badass pressing is kind of the ball goes. You know. Uh, Beside him, he just runs after ball instead of following the man. Maeda is probably maybe a bit high up. But again, look at image 13. Huge spaces like beside and behind Celtics midfield four and Celtics backline. So again, that's the issue with Christopher that we saw in the Champions League. So if, if you have hearts trying, weirdly trying to play out against Celtic, they got a better joy of it. And they got some situation and they actually get a goal from it as well. So is that for me? I, I wonder if they're going to actually try and do this at Tynecastle as well. Is that to do with personnel, or is that like why? Why all of a sudden? Not all of a sudden, but like, is this to do with Hearts doing things against us the right way, or is this us a little bit sloppy? Hearts. I mean, this is decent build-up play. First of all, so I think you have to recognise that um, game recognising game there. Um, but personnel-wise, yes. I, I don't think, you know, to pick him in, but like a bad eye isn't the best presser in terms of because he kind of just runs around. Um, I think that midfield too, then, of if, if you're in these situations, if you have McGregor and Moy there, as a midfield too, that you have to cover the ground a lot. And I don't, I'm not just saying that's an Aaron Moy thing, I think Callum McGregor's positioning in that is sometimes a bit, I suppose that, my yeah. So, yes, personnel in there, like someone like Riyad Tati will have more coverage. He can run more. Um, yeah. Maybe Maeda, maybe, maybe Joppa is slightly more clever presser, but I think it's really simply a case of something don't get to practice as much in games. Like they hardly ever do domestically. So when they do have to do it, it always feels a little bit rusty to me. And there's only so much you can do on the training ground, like really doing these things. So, but Look, these uh, this is sort of things that needs to be spot on in the Champions League, and it it needs to work. Otherwise, you get games like Leipzig and even Donetsk at, at times, you know. So, so I'll be interested if Hart's going to try and do this again because I, if I have Robin Nielsen, imagine, imagine, and um, I think I would go roughly what I did here in terms of being aggressive, sitting in the mid block, but so I guess, try and play out again, play out a bit at least at the start to see. You know, test that kind of Celtic block. Um, you mentioned Abada there, and you know maybe he's not as disciplined as 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 you'd like. Um, but that brings us into uh, Haxabanovich, who oh, is, is a guy. Your favorite. Oh, your bloody favorite. bloody love him. Um, I've been following Twitter. I can see there's been a lot of comparisons made. Um, yes, yeah. love, just love. Um, <laughs> but one of the things about Haxaw is that you know people talk about maybe he doesn't do enough off the ball, maybe he's a little bit, maybe a luxury player and stuff like that. But, I mean, you could kind of throw the same suggestions at Abada, but he maybe doesn't get the same sort of, I don't want to say criticism, but, like, highlight maybe a little deficiencies in his game. It doesn't strike me as a luxury player, really. Um, I guess we haven't seen him much in these kind of situations. I mean, he's played a little bit in Champions League, but he was there really early on. And I think he's got, you know, he's definitely got the stamina to do that. And and he's, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's useful in the in the number eight position as well, where you, where you do have to, you know, be very disciplined and, and aggressive in the, in the pressing. So no, I, I I really don't think it's anything to do with his like defensive issues. Haxabanovich is it hasn't been played as much. I'm, I'm not sure why he hasn't played that much. I think 
we, we kind of felt a tipping point has becoming a couple of times where he should be playing more. And I think this is definitely another one of them because it's just not working for me with Leo Labada. I mean, as, as it ever, I guess, but, um, but yeah, I, I honestly think he's taken a, maybe not a big step back this season, but I mean, in, it, in some ways I thought it was more effective in the last season. Maybe I'm just kind of, I mean, I mean, I mean correctly, but yeah. we, don't, we, we don't want to do a pile on because neither of us are huge Abada fans, but you know, he played so well against St. Mirren when he came on. And I think my, my big thing on um, the reaction was I'd love him to follow this up with a really good performance against Hearts. And I don't think he was, partic- I don't think he was awful or anything on Wednesday. I just think he was kind of, he wasn't as effective. Again, put, put him in a certain situation. See what happens as against St. Mirren. The first 10 minutes is absolutely dreadful. But as we talked about in the review, Hamrayan falls further and further, further down. Their wing back starts coming in more now. So he's got more space, right? And he's he's been put in positions where he's good at him. And this happened in the Hearts game as well, like for, for three ones. Hearts just fall further and further down. So guys like Haxa, for example, got more space. He can come in. You have if you let Celtic play around the box now, I don't think that's a good decision at all because you got guys like Abada and, and Moy and Hexabanovich when comes on Hatati. If you can do those quick interplays around the box if you can do it. So the game state against the Merman suited Abada perfectly. You put him in against Harch from the start. Harch with his high line, very complex but compressed space. What's he doing? He's 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 then highly ineffective. Yeah. Um so I, I think that's and that's just players find the right game situation for him. Great, you know, put him on he'll, he'll, he he can destroy teams. But as a general rule, I think this is more the the standard what we saw on Wednesday. Um, our good friend Maeda seems to be there was images of him and crutches after the game, and I don't think has there been any update as to his um, availability. I'm, I'm sure I haven't seen anything. Um, the, the press I conference was, is yeah. later on today, so I'm sure Angel can confirm us. If he wasn't available um, for Tynecastle, what would your front three be? Play Hexabanovich, Christopher, and Kyogo, and obviously uh, James Forrest <laughs> on the right. No, no, I'd, I, they probably have played together. Um, but have Jota and Hexabanovich started together? I'm not actually sure. If, I think they maybe have a couple of times, but I would like to see that. I, I think that would, I think that would suit Tynecastle quite well. You know, I think if you have two wingers, then that if you have that kind of mid block horse again, I mean, they're, they're both good on the ball. They both can find spaces. They can both come in a little bit if they had to do it between the, the lines and kind of make get on the ball. They're maybe not as good, to, you know, like threaten the space behind it, but you got stuff like you can go for that. And they're, like they're both fast, yeah. you know. This as as they're not the instinct is probably not like about it and Mayada to just go run behind, but they can still do it. But that kind of trickery between the lines as well, I, I think, would be really good. So yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, yeah, imagine that he's going to go kind of tried and tested with uh, obviously bring back Taylor um, and uh, Johnson at fullback. I think the back line picks itself in terms of strongest. Then Hatati comes back. Then you look at Moyer O'Reilly. Um, oh, that's a discussion we haven't had in a while. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, well, we'll leave that with the manager, um, certainly. Uh, and then that, I trust the manager on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any kind of worry? I mean, you've you've talked through how you think Hearts are going to play. Is there any worries from our point of view? Is it just a case of bring everyone back, just keep doing what you're doing, it'll come? Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's it. And Taylor and Hatate back is instant lift, quality wise, system wise. I think Johnston is is that now as well. Um, compared to Ralston, God bless him. Um, that's it. Keep doing what you're doing. Um. Because even on a game like Wednesday, where I think Hearts are good. Celtic don't have the preferred lineup, and uh, you get a lot of personal mistakes really on the ball as well. You're still comfortable. You still run out three one. So the danger is you let the game slip away from you, or you get another goal, you know, against, and you stop doing those things. But I'm still very confident, <laughs> confident, even in everything I've said. And um, if you just keep doing what you're doing with those players. It should be fine, you know. It could be that old game where something's happened. It's not, but most of the time it will be. Which, as I said at the start of this podcast, like just look at the you know, points total and the goal scored. You know, that's that that comes from that system and just doing those things over and over. Absolutely. Ed, have you got any kind of final stats that you want to do from a heart's point of view? Yes, of course. 
Thank you for reminding me. Um, let's add another 30 minutes to this. <laughs> um, so I think I've sent this for, for images. I have uh, image 14 or something, but essentially it's the, it's the league report. Yes. And the, one, the, the, the thing that kind of jumps out with Hearts this season, and we talked about Nielsen there as well, that, you know, overall, you know, the third, and I think roughly on stuff like expected points next year, maybe fourth or fifth, but like the roughly way they should be. The main thing with gosh, this season is that they're the worst defensive team. I'll, I'll say it again: they're the worst defensive team in worst? terms of Jesus. the worst in terms of expected goals conceded. So this is this is what you see is always the instat stats. So I was like, okay, they're the bottom in XG conceded. So I went to uh, another provider, a provider who, who likes to claim they have the best XG model. So I was like, okay, well, let's have a look at this provider. Same again. Hearts has the worst XG conceded. Um, second, Aberdeen. <laughs> um, and if you kind of look at some of the stats, if you look at like session stats, you know, they are the third most passes. You know, they keep possession the fourth most. Um, if you look at stuff like entries against, so they, they, they keep teams out of their half and final third quite well. But, and in, in terms of shots conceded, they're only eighth worth but they have the highest average chance quality again. So that kind of tells you that this is a team that concedes huge chances. They keep the ball a lot. So I just think they are really vulnerable to to counterattacks and, and, and transitions. But yeah, so there is a little bit of luck in, in, in Harch this season in that. that yeah, they were, I mean, they're one of the best offensive teams, right? Absolutely. They're not very good. Defensively, and I thought, okay, maybe other keepers actually having a, a super season. I went and looked at some of the goalkeeping stats, and it, it's Clark and Inter Gordon. They are having good season shot stopping wise, but not spectacularly. So, like, um, so it's like the stats bomb have them saving combined about two goals above average over the whole season, which is kind of puts Clark second in the league, Gordon like four fifth. Um, I still not. Like huge numbers, so the, 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 I think there's a, just a streak of, of you know uh, variance and randomness that have kind of in certain games have tipped their way, and so they are they are a little bit worse than what their position would say. They're still clearly a top six team, like a top five team, but they yeah they've been a bit lucky. Let's say that. So I think that's the main takeaway from the stats. Luck. Bastard. Nothing worse. Uh, great stuff. Um, Celtic take on Hearts at Tynecastle tomorrow in the Scottish Cup. 12-15 kickoff. Uh, we'll have a reaction straight afterwards. Myself, uh, Graham and Lorenzo chatting through the game. Uh, Celtic FC women take on Hibs in Edinburgh on Sunday. It's a 10 past 4 kickoff. Myself and Claire will be going along to that. So if you're there, say hello. That's a, that's a tricky tie, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, we, we lost to Glasgow City last week and that was quite a deflating situation. Um, you can listen to all that on the Celtic Women's Football Show. But yeah, Hibs, Hibs have actually kind of dropped off a little bit this season, but uh, it's just anything at this point after that game last week. I just like, a, a nice victory would be would be ideal. Um, so we've got uh, on the Cynic this weekend, the reaction on Saturday and on Sunday, we've got the Players round, players Lounge, uh, Claire, Annabelle, Eddie and Boud uh, talking through a subject of their choice. Um, should be a lot of fun. Check that out. Christian, we're going to finish with fact or fiction. Are you ready? No, but let's do it. I asked two questions and you state if they are fact or fiction and why. Question number one. And actually I was going to bring this up um, earlier, but we can bring it up now. Celtic should bring in a new striker in the summer. Fact or fiction? That's more a statement than a fact or fiction, I would say. Not, not to be too, per, you know, particularly here. Um, well, I think it's fiction. Um, should. I'm going to fall down on fiction. Why I say that is that it's not a priority for me at this point because I think you got Kyogo, who's. He's, he is Kyogo. Um, I think having played most of the season, you can see his goals tally. I think he is your main striker. I think he'll stay. Um, you've got O, who's, who's come in and he's kind of found his place in the squad. Still development to, to do, but he, he's, he's a really good substitute now, uh, I think, as well. You have Maeda. Um, so if Maeda is still there as well, um, I think he's you know an option 
if Kyoko says injured and oh, we maybe don't want to start America, he can come in and you still have the strikers, even if may get out, got a bunch of strikers. So for me, a new striker is it's not even a top five priority. I think so. I, I, in that case, I don't think they will. I mean, so I think if if the right player came up, available, yeah, they, they would like. Um, so we'll see. But no, I'm gonna go friction. Fiction. fiction. Uh, question number two: Ange Postecoglou will be at Celtic in two years' time. Fact or fiction? Because I'm a shite bag, I'm gonna say fiction. Although I think I think it might be at Celtic at this time, exactly in two years, in 2025. I don't think he's there for the 25 26 season. That, that would be his fifth season, and I, I I'd obviously love it because I think if he's still here, he, he's, he's been doing really really well. But yeah. I think the better he does the more chance he, he might leave as well. So there's a decent chance, but I'm, I'm going to be a shot, I can say. Lovely. Superb stuff, Christian. Uh, as always, um, we'll hear from you on the review uh, on Tuesday with Graham. And then we've got... I think- uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about just having 14 images on the review. So barely triple that. People, so. people love that. Um, yeah. I think we've got Beyond the Scoreboard uh, sl- slated in for uh, uh, next week, I think, as well. So uh, we'll be working on that. But Christian Wolf, pleasure as always, sir. Pleasure as always, mine. And uh, have, a, have a wonderful Friday. Wonderful weekend, everybody. Lovely stuff. From uh, Christian Wolf, from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been the Weekend Update, and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs>